Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are talking about Revelation Records discography in chronological order, mostly chronological order. We've had some, we've started to have some, uh, you know, blips here and there, but it's for important stuff. So this week, uh, so this episode, we are getting back on track. This time. <laughs> Sitting in the life of agony voice. This time. We are getting back to the discography. And Greg, what do we have today? Today <laughs> we sorry. have- Wait, wait, wait. And Greg, what do we have this episode? <laughs> so we have the lucky number 13, Slipknot. Slipknot. Yeah. And- uh, My favorite band from Iowa. We managed- to get all three members of Slipknot, um, which is like something I didn't think possible. Like when we started, when we started this podcast, I thought, okay, so if we have interviews, you know, which we didn't even know if we were going to get interviews or anything in the beginning, but we're like, if we have interviews, the Slipknot one's going to be the one where like, it's just going to be us talking. And, you know, maybe if we're lucky, we can get Jordan. Um, yeah, and we had another and, idea too to have our patrons call into our phone number or any listener really call into the phone number and give some thoughts about that. And we got some. We had Are we going to yeah. yeah. we're going to share those on here? Yeah, we'll share those. Yeah. But I, I had people asking, but you know, one thing I wanted to add before we move on is I had several people, friends, and I don't take any offense like, "Oh, you guys uh you guys are really avoiding you know, the, the Slipknot uh, episode, huh? Because we've had these, you know, like Hobbs said, he called them blips. I'll say more like detours. Like we had a part two of Start Today and then we had the Turning Point and the World Be Free. And my take is, is that like, we weren't avoiding, but like, this is going to happen. Like we don't want to just, one, we don't want to just blow through everything. Like we want to allow time. And I think we really learned that with the chain of strength episode because of scheduling, we had to push things back a week and it was worth it because yeah. if we tried to keep on the schedule of just every single week, you know, doing a rev release, we wouldn't have had the interview with Alex and Ryan and Frosty and people like the interview. And, you know, the gorilla biscuits one, we decided to do a second part. We got the opportunity to do the turning point uh, and the world be free. And we're not going to turn these things down. There's going to be more like detours. So I, I don't really know, like if that upsets people, I'm sorry, you can sit out the detours and then, you know, listen when we get to the record of your choice. I totally understand, but this isn't an anomaly. Like it's, it's going to happen more often because we want to make sure to keep quality and if we have to wait for scheduling or whatever, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, this podcast is about the Revelation Records discography, but at the heart of it, it's three friends talking about hardcore. And, you know, we we did the Revelation discography because it's um, it's like a destination, you know, and it's it's a it's a thing to stick to. And I don't know that I would want to listen to two hours of just the three of us talking about random hardcore shit. 
and and those podcasts do exist but that's not us we have like an actual you know uh, a set of guidelines and so you're right like the world of revelation goes beyond the chronological numbering and if we have an opportunity to jump in there and talk about something that's current like the turning point discography getting announced as being released through rev that was a fucking huge deal for us for rev for the band for a lot of people and so i was stoked to have the opportunity to talk about that and so yeah um anyway with slipknot I didn't, I didn't expect to be able to track them down. And, you know, the band has always had this kind of mythos about it. It's had this mystery. And I think even after people listen to the episode, there'll still be some of that mystery. (laughs) And Um, and the thing is the guys were cool as hell though. Yeah. Like, like, which was awesome. And um, it made me appreciate the band more. And I hope that people, will seek out the record like we talked about in the interview it is going to be repressed um and i believe they're going to be doing some even a shirt or two Mm -hmm. but um we by the time this episode comes out the week that it drops we're going to be doing a giveaway through instagram um i have an extra copy i ended up procuring two copies of the record it's an, an original pressing um and i didn't have an insert for this pressing and Jordan from revelation was kind enough to send me an insert so I could do this giveaway. Um, so we could do the giveaway. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. We're going to, we're going to be doing something through Instagram to give that seven inch away so you can have a a copy, but, um, we're stoked. We're stoked on this episode. We're stoked on the interview. And, um, before we get to the interview, I think we need to Jason, you go Yo. first. What you got? Um, I want to steal my Bo. thunder though. I won't steal your thunder. I want to bit at Bo Patrick West from Change Zine. Love um, that zine. Yeah, one, dude. One of my top three. One of my top three '90s zines. What are your other? It was. Are, it was the anti, anti-matter and Rump Shaker Same. and Change. I mm. always knew that I was going to have lots of uh, good reads when yeah. I would get a copy of those. But uh, he's from the Connecticut area, and I think he kind of put wheels in motion for us to track down the members of Slipknot. So uh, bit of bow to him. Um, bit of bow to Jim Martin. He did the lettering for the Slipknot 7-inch and got back to me on Facebook with some thoughts and memories of the band. So that was cool. And he also did the artwork for the Warzone 7-inch. So That's awesome. Some, yeah, I always thought Jim Martin, when I'd see that, I'd be like, is that the guy from Faith No More? But it's a different Jim Martin. It's not the guitarist, the former Faith No More guitarist who now owns, or at least in the 90s when he quit, he owned a pumpkin patch. Ah. You ever see that on like, where are they now? <laughs> no, what the fuck? Dude, he fucking owned a pumpkin patch. He was, he, was in, he was in Faith No More. He was in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. In Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? The, the guy with the, the big curly hair and the yeah, glasses? Yeah, he was, he was in Bogus Journey. <laughs> And then he um, played on Angel Dust, which is an incredible record, Faith No More Angel Dust. And then I guess they had one of these like musical direction um, things where they didn't agree on where to go. He quit the band and started farming pumpkins. But did you see the new Bill and Ted's? 
Not yet. I, I, I want to though. I can't, I, I can't I have no interest. Yeah. I don't want to pay the $20 for it. Nope. Yeah. I'll wait until it's on like, uh, uh, you know, yeah. HBO or whatever, but Didn't hear good yeah. things. But uh, to, uh, uh, Faith No More, the real thing, it's an impeccable record. My, that's, that's the only Faith No More that I'll really sit down and listen to. And it's, that one's great. Oh, but I didn't love that record. Didn't um, Walter do a cover? Didn't they do a cover of We Care they A Lot? They did, yeah, yeah. Uh, they okay. did We Care A Lot, we care a lot. from uh, the pre-Mike Patton, yeah. Chuck Mosley singing. Oh, okay. They, they did a cover. They did a cover of that. Walters yeah. in it. So there's our rev connection. So see, yeah, there yeah. you go. But uh, we, we tied it up in a bow. <laughs> last, the last bit of bow. Uh, nothing just came out with a new record. It's called The Great Dismal. It's out on all platforms. It's from Relapse Records. That's a friend of mine. Awesome record. Check it out. Bandofnothing.com. Yeah, I need to. I need to. Lo- I've loved all their records. This so one's I really need good. To- it came out Friday, and I was working and. I was doing, you know, research for my other podcast. So I was listening to stuff that was for that and didn't get to hear the nothing. But yeah. I, um, I have liked everything they put out. Yeah, um, same. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I hear it's great. So uh, yeah, and they're from Philly. Bidipo, my my old friend Kyle plays drums uh, for them. So mm, Aaron Hurd, yeah. isn't that? Yeah, bad? yeah, yeah. It's, I it's love cool. Tired of Tomorrow. Uh, I think that's, it sounds like a really heavy smashing pumpkins sometimes yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I can't pick a fit. Like they're all solid. Honestly, this one's like, really good. Older. To come, uh, a three, eight, nine, shout out to my Dom. Dom. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Nothing, nothing makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So yo, and, shout. Uh, and bit about Jordan Cooper. For yeah. helping put things together for this yes song. definitely bit of yeah. bit of to jordan um and for like i said sending me that insert yeah that's cool so that we can do this giveaway um because people need to hear this slipknot record if they haven't so javier yeah. what do you got uh i don't think that i have anything uh jason you know um did did some i, I don't know how to follow that up uh sure. I, I would just i say, got a couple i would just say bit of bow to everyone at rev jordan Adam, Veronica, Igby, yeah. yes, Sammy, uh, Greg, Sammy. Um, everyone has been really supportive of us lately, and um, you know, I feel like just been talking to them a lot, and uh, just hearing the stories, like hearing going in the other day and hearing Lentz, and uh, I think it was Lentz talking about how Undertow would come in. And they would buy a Slipknot shirt, and they like bought the last Slipknot shirt. Yes, distance That's fucked up. I want like, one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I always brag about the fact that I'm close enough to go to Rev and just pop in. Yeah, you're lu- you're lucky, and I'm like lucky. it's it's and, it's an exciting time, I think, to be a fan of Rev right yeah. now. Wouldn't you say with yeah. all the stuff going on, and e- like even though there's not shows right now mm-hmm. with the turning point and the new world be free and the, the new mm-hmm. dare that's going to mm-hmm. come out um there's like some cool stuff happening so it's yeah neat. and you know i have a record label called contraband contrabandgoods.com and i press cassettes and other merch but all of my cassettes are exclusively distributed through rev uh, revhq.com awesome. and every time i do a new cassette release I press some on yellow cassette and those are sold exclusively through the Rev 
web store. The last one I did was uh, 25th anniversary of culture born of you. And I only pressed 25 on yellow and they went in like a day and Adam kept awesome. asking me for more and I ran out. So um, the next one that we have by the time this episode, oh no, in mid-November, um, Integrity Seasons in the Size of Days. And that will also have an exclusive Rev Yellow edition. So, oh, that's awesome! That was yeah, awesome that record. was my that was my intro to Integrity. Man, my my record. parents uh, my parents for Christmas I had asked for like a bunch of CDs, mm -hmm. and they bought me. This is the funniest thing, and I, I was telling Porcel about it the other day. They bought me um, Integrity Seasons in the Size of Days. Mm -hmm. so this was Christmas '97, Sick and record. Shelter Shelter Beyond Planet Earth. Nice. <laughs> like the most <laughs> the spectrum so i have two bit of bows i would like to give uh first is like jason talking about pat west i, I want to bit at bow chris daly um also you know a connecticut guy smorgasbord zine um smorgasbord i can never pronounce is it smorgasbord smorgasbord board. ends with a d it. or a g with a d? d d d <laughs> you know the shirt yeah, yeah smorgasbord so records i have here the <laughs> they put out a blood a bloodlet seven inch they did i'm just i'm stupid yeah, which is fucking weird that they did a bloodlet record but uh unexpected yeah, yeah. so he helped me <laughs> so you know we we gave credit i think um, we, we gave credit in the interview uh you know i got all this credit for getting these guys together and slipknot and i didn't want to say it in the interview because I wanted to keep the flow going, but I really have to give him a lot of the credit because he put me in touch with uh, F Scott and um, they, you know, he, Scott obviously got um, the rest of the guys on board. Um, but Chris has a book that's relevant to our interests. Uh, it's called everybody's scene. Uh, the story of Connecticut's anthrax club. Oh, you know, I, I just, sent a box to our our good friend porcel i have for some reason i have some of his books in my garage and i sent him some and he asked me for to send him uh making a scene and okay i, think, I always get the title and confused. i sent him everybody's scene instead <laughs> oops <laughs> sorry porcel sorry, but porcel. this book's this book's really cool um i got it from amazon um I, I, there's copies on there. At least there was as of a couple months ago. And there's a lot of rad pictures. You've heard about the anthrax. I mean, it's, it's mentioned in almost every interview we've done so far. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, pictures and stories. And um, the book is like, it was like 12 or $13. Like it's totally worth it. Um, if you like what you hear on our show, um, you're going to want to pick this book up. Um, so I just wanted to give Chris a bit of bow. Yeah, really appreciated the help with getting Slipknot together because it makes this a much more interesting episode. Yeah. Uh, the other bit of bow I have before we get to the interview is another book by our friends uh, Rich Dolinger and his wife Shauna Kenny uh, sent us this Live at the Safari Club book. It's about the club in DC. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Jason had seen shows there. I did not. It was yeah. uh, even though. I think it was open till, uh, yeah, till 98. So like yeah. I knew it existed. I, I never got down there. Um, but it's got like an oral, this one also has a lot of cool pictures and, um, it's like an oral history. 
like just people from bands and the scene. Um, Bro, that talking. book is so nice. It is. I was going to okay. say, it's, this is like, like I showed my wife the book when it came and she's like, that's a coffee table book. And I was yeah. like, absolutely. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, got the hardcover, a lot of pictures, um, just super nice, sleek design. Yeah. A lot um, of flyers. So, yeah. and, uh, talks about GB live at the Safari club, which is one yep. of my favorite bootlegs. Uh, I, I love bootleg records and tapes. Um, I've talked on this podcast before about that burn bootleg seven. Oh fuck, dude! That I saw it on eBay yesterday for thirty bucks, and I thought yeah. about getting it because I had I sold my copy, and that copy is so good. Um, I wish I knew who made it. Yeah, I remember picking it up, and there's also a born against live seven yeah, inch like, that that's has how like I the knew same. about this club uh-huh. because of the all the seven inches were done there. And- um, yeah, the Gorilla Biscuits live at the Safari Club with um matt pincus on bass yeah you're right right? yeah Mm -hmm. and uh that's the one with the classic get the fuck off me yeah that is classic (laughs) fuck yes (laughs) um so yeah that huge huge bit of bow to rich yeah uh hooking us up with those books uh we've had a couple people reach out and ask if we could put up a recommended reading list on our website And um, I think that we're going to do that and then also include links to being able to, you know, if this stuff is still in print or available. And this one is going to be like at the top of the list. Uh, yeah, it's so nice. And, it's- and honestly, if you have books or zine and you want us to take a look at them and you think it'll help with our research and you want us to give a, a bit of bow, um, you know, hit us up. Like we, I mean, we literally, this is, this is like the second book that someone's given us and it's yeah. been like super awesome because it's yeah. helped with research, but yeah. also, you know, we hopefully can convince people that they need to pick these up because it's hard to, to do a book. I've never put together a yeah. book oh, and, dude. um, you know, so definitely check this book out. I, I don't have my copy in front of me, but is this, is it have that turning point picture that I sent you guys this week? The picture of Jay. Oh, and it might. It might. Um, and it I'm might like, not. this is the turning point. <laughs> like, so uh, Dave Brown from Richmond, bit of Bo Dave Brown. He, oh, he I has just a, started following him on Instagram yesterday. Oh, dude, he's he's got a ton of uh, good turning point photos. Yeah, the, oh, yo, yeah. The, the photos of his shirts where he's like, here's this youth of today shirt, and here's a picture of me wearing it on stage in fucking 1989 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Dave's wild. Awesome. That's the fucking picture. What page yep. number is that on? Does it say? So uh, this is page 35. There oh is, my god. There's a t- Turning, yeah, there's a turning point picture. That's is that Dave Brown or no? It's got, um, you know, it's no, this is by Chris Yormick. Okay, awesome photo. Yeah. And it's got Jay wearing a schism long sleeve, oh, my God. playing the ESP guitar, like sweating and yeah. just fucking raging. <laughs> and then you have Skip in the Gorilla Biscuit shirt, yeah. tucked in, wearing yep. Tulsi neck beads. Oh my God, um, it's what like, a shot. It is, oh, dude. It is 1990. I would, I, would ha- I would put a framed print of that on my wall right now. I would, I would pay yeah. someone to, to print that out and put it on my wall. Dude, I love Turning Point. Yes, and I'm, so, I'm so stoked to call Jay a friend. He's a great dude and a fucking riff master. And he, and then we will move to the interview because people to get to that <laughs> damn interview he has a new band called honey and they're like a crossovery thrash um and it's it's freaking good man and they have an album out now 
and they're doing a new album in the spring on hell minded records who i've mentioned before friend of the pod yeah bit of bow hell minded uh they put out the shades apart new album that's great um and a bunch of other stuff and they have some cool stuff coming that i i can't i'm privy to and i can't say but you'll hear soon enough Mm -hmm. and um that's it that's all i got yeah that's all i got all right let's get to the interview all right Get it underway. Good. Hey everyone, we are here today. We're doing it, man. I'm 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 flustered right now because we're doing something that we didn't think was possible. This podcast has really like taken us to some interesting places. And Greg, through the miracle of of the internet, has tracked down all of the members of Slipknot. And so we got them all here this morning, bright and early on a Sunday morning to talk to us about what I consider and many others consider to be one of the most mysterious releases, not just on Revelation Records, but in all of hardcore. This is like this kind of mythological piece of vinyl that is is just nobody really knows anything about it and you know you you read little bits and pieces of lore on the internet but we get the opportunity to talk to the source right now and we're super stoked to have all three of the guys here and you know the three of us in in the podcast have been talking a lot about this for weeks and like you know wanting to know like where do we start what kind of questions we're going to ask so I guess the first place to start is with Fatal Vision, right? You guys had this band and it appeared on the Connecticut Fun Comp with some other notable hardcore bands. And then from there, you guys went to have a record on Revelation Records. So just, I guess if you guys could <laughs> briefly talk about like the formation of the band, Fatal Vision, and then, you know, leading up to being on Revelation Records. And I know we say this all the time to our guests, this was a long fucking time ago and we get that. And so it's okay if there's some patchiness or some holes, but tell us what you can about Fatal Vision. Yeah, and introduce yourself too, just so people uh, will know who's, uh, who's speaking. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Stymie, and uh, uh, I was in uh, Fatal Vision with uh, Phil Brooks and John Netcher originally. John Netcher went on to work for Revelation Records, I believe. And uh, it was it was a sort of a really down-to-earth uh, project that got off the ground when we didn't even have a bass player. And it was really guys like Joe Diaz from Lost Gen that uh, actually found us a bass player, sent him to us and rounded off the whole project and actually wrangled us up as well to be on the Connecticut Fund compilation. So it was thanks in large part to him that the whole thing even got off the ground. And so after that came out, so we talked to Jordan briefly and he said that 
he said first it was fatal vision and then he said then you reformed and we're going to call the band evil dead does that ring any bells <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is Scott here, F. Scott. The uh, the fatal vision part of it kind of doesn't evolve into Slipknot in, uh -oh. in so many regards. They uh, okay. that was Thymy's first band. Okay, and I actually played bass with them for a little bit, I believe. So it's more like pre-Slipknot and and not like what evolved into Slipknot yeah. per se. It's like you guys were in this band and then that band went away and then you reformed as Slipknot. Y yeah, mm -hmm. well, Slipknot originally was me and Michael mm -hmm. and I, I played guitar and he played drums <clears throat> and we, we wanted to be a three-piece band and uh, we wanted Stymie always, so we just, it might have taken a little bit of time, but eventually it came together. There was a lot of uh, good New Haven hardcore bands back then, and we were all friends. We all rented all the you know loft spaces in town, and on occasion, you know, different bands would would uh, help out other bands in various ways, including you know who needs a you know bass player or or something along that regards. And so what year is this at this point? Like when in this transition? <laughs> I'm laughing at Stymie's face. Right yeah. <laughs> so all three of us went to high school together. That was the big connection. Mm. And it was a very small uh, uh, alternative high school in New Haven, Connecticut. So we, uh, I think at one point we were all, all there at the same time. And that would be probably around 80, uh, what, 85, 86? I graduated in 88. Stymie graduated a year, year or two before. Yeah, I think it was 80. This is Mike. I, I think it was 84 and 85. Because then I think by the end, by 86, I had left. And then I came back just to walk with the class in 88. And did you guys know, like, the Youth of Today guys or any of those other bands around at the time, some of the other Connecticut bands, or people from Connecticut. That Moby. Were bands. Yeah, <laughs> Moby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, I, I, I knew of them, but, you know, we were definitely doing a different thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, was, was, was Jordan going, did he go to the school with you guys? Or you knew him no. after school? Yeah, we, we knew him after school. Okay. Um, he was, you know, doing Youth of Today. And then there was a couple other cats that, you know, helped us put this record together. And I guess that was like 88 or 89, right, Scott? 88. Uh, 88 was when, yeah. What, what happened basically was Jordan was a part of the New Haven hardcore scene. He, uh, he went to college in New Haven. He was good friends with a lot of people. He was obviously into a lot of the music that we were into, and, and that was the early, early days of Youth of Today. You know, they were out of Danbury, so they were in New Haven a lot. A lot of bands out in New York would be in New Haven at various times. Uh, but I was pretty, we, we were all friends with Ray, uh, Jordan Rather. I, I, I lived with him for about a year back then. And um, 
uh, for a short, short period of time, helped them with the mail order with uh, Revelation Records. So the, the very early stages of it, when everything was just, you know, opening envelopes and uh, filling orders. And basically he just approached the three of us and asked us if we wanted to record. <laughs> and the answer was like, hell yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things, so you guys, you, you touched on earlier, I think it was Mike said like, you guys were coming from a different like place musically. So what were some of the, and usually I think this is like such a corny question, but what were some of the influences that you guys had when, when you were, uh, you know, writing these songs that, that ended up coming out on the seven inch? Like, what were you, cause I always hear people say like, Oh, it sounds a lot like, you know, early corrosion of conformity. DRI. Yeah. And I, I also saw some uh, review of Maxim rock and roll said it sounds like a more hardcore beef eater, which I can sort of hear, you know, beef eater from DC. Um, so I was just curious, like what, uh, you know, what were you guys listening to? What, what was going on to help create the record? I mean, I think we were listening to a lot of speed metal, like creator, cryptic slaughter. I mean, me at least, and maybe F, destruction. And then certainly like Slayer, public enemy and a lot of reggae it's just a, a weird weird mix sounds like my ipod currently yes same <laughs> no, as, a, as a quick aside are you still listening to that stuff absolutely yeah, yeah. that's awesome awesome and i mean at this point 85 86 89 hardcore hadn't even been around for like a decade at this point barely right so your pool of what you could draw off of influences wise is pretty small from like, um, you know, you, you would have had to step out to death metal and some of the thrash metal and stuff like that. So it's cool that you brought those influences in and, and made it your own, you know? Oh, for sure. There was a lot of, um, a lot of West Coast bands as well. We were into a lot of the, you know, of course, like Bad Brains, Chromags, uh, Corrosion of Conformity. And then there was even The Accused. And um, I remember, Ar I, rem RKL. I remember when, uh, yeah, RKL, Dr. No, um, all that Nardcore stuff. And I remember specifically when F. Scott and Chang introduced me to Celtic Frost. And uh, that just like fucking blew my mind. I was like, whoa. These guys are these guys are on point, you know, with the whole sound and like that was, you know, when when metal and hardcore started to go together and hardcore guys were playing solos and shit. Like, what are you doing? We don't do that. And then all of a sudden it became like, yeah, we do. <laughs> and um, so that was that was part of the whole that whole point uh, where you're talking about where you have to reaching out of the pool to find different influences. And I think that that was huge for us. And I can, uh, I could blame F and Chang for introducing me to metal. That's for sure. So you went, so you decided you agreed to do the record and then was there any other place that was considered going to other than Don Furies to record oh. the record or do you have any memories of recording the record? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically once we agreed to it, took it from there. Uh, Don Fury uh, Studios in New York, one day recording, the following day, re, you know, mixing. And that was about it. 
pretty uh, straightforward. Jordan took care of everything. I mean, really. Yeah, photography, all the liner notes. You know, like I said, at that point, I think I was probably living with them. So it was pretty easy to just, you know, communicate and get all that stuff together. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I wanted to ask about, so I caught, I reached out to Jim Martin that did the lettering for yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the lyrics. And he said that he was very thankful and uh, flattered that he was asked to do that because he was such a fan of Stymie's artwork. So I wanted to ask about the cover art. Uh, the cover art was um, one of a painting that I had done, and I guess we all just decided that that was what we wanted in terms of just the feeling of uh, of, of like our our philosophy, which was, you know, always kind of anti-establishment, um, but yet uh, doing our own thing, kind of um, doing a, a different thing than say the mainstream of, of Revelation Records. Yeah, um, it stands so, out. And I've yeah, actually, I, I've seen um, the like negative of the entire painting and it's not a seven by seven painting, it's no. longer. So um, how did you create that? Is it oil, oils? Yeah, um, I've, I've always uh, done artwork. And so we were um, kind of spoiled for choice in that department. And of course it was just like, yeah, we could use it for free. We don't have to pay anybody to use it. It's just here in our house. And, and um, so we just decided on that and we did, so, I did a little, um, some sort of calligraphy thing for the label as well, uh, all set aside. And um, it was just, uh, it, it didn't really have a meaning or a purpose at that point. It was just kind of the feeling that we had um, in terms of colors and, uh, the abstract um, idea of it all. And that's Jordan, funny because, oh, I'm sorry. Jordan told us an interesting um, story about the creation of the lettering on the cover too, the the slipknot. Can you tell us how, how that came to be? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Um, he, I think it was using the back end of a paintbrush. Yeah. Sorry if I like stole that? your uh, question there, Jason. Oh no, I was gonna say that I thought that the cover art was a Grim Reaper. Like when I looked at it kind of from far away, I'll have to show you, yeah, what I thought it was, but I thought it was eyes and teeth and then the cloak of a Grim Reaper, but. Uh, it's definitely more, uh, more like a, a silhouette of, um, of uh, like sort of a, a, it's definitely a male silhouette of a, head, yeah. a human being. Okay. Um, Grim Reaper was not intended, but naturally in artwork, you see what you want to see, which is. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, and that was kind of the thing that we wanted it to be open to, open to interpretation. And then I wanted to ask where, is there anywhere that I can see more of your work at? Um, yeah, for any, for anybody, if they want to yeah. see, is there a place, yeah, website? I don't really or? have a catalog yet. I okay. have like dozens of paintings in my basement and I used to sell and show and stuff like that. But um, we could get on about that another time if you want to contact by email, but. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to, because like we said, we're, we're all really into the whole design aspect. Uh, Jason is a, is a graphic designer. Um, oh, cool. So it's something that's very interesting to us. And like we, you know, when we do these podcasts, we talk to the, you know, the people that played on the records, but we also want to talk to the people who design them and the people who, uh, you know, in this case did paintings or artwork because, you know, it's important. It's, um, 
this is all part of the, the Revelation Records legacy. And Revelation has a very, you know, eye-catching design for stuff. Like that's one of the appealing things that people always, you know, talk about 30 plus years later. And this record's, you know, no exception. Um, so true. yeah, we, we'd love to talk artwork at any time. Yeah, speaking of artwork, um, tell us about the photo shoot for the live photos inside the seven inch. Because I've actually, I, I, I dig through, I have the opportunity to dig through the files at Revelation quite often because I'm friendly with those guys and I live about 10 minutes away. And so I dug through the Slipknot files, you know, a month or so ago, and there's a whole stack of photos from that session that, you know. Really? Yeah, it looks like wow. someone just was like, I, and it says it, it was Jordan. Right, Candido. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, Chrissy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's a, a whole stack of you know. It looks like she was just shooting, and uh, and so they're very similar. But those ones were were picked out. So tell us about the location of those live photos. Geez, I think there was one set shot down at the uh, graveyard on uh, Grove Street in New Haven, which is a famous graveyard. And then another uh, a round of photos done probably inside the old Hamilton Street Clock Factory where we had a, a practice space, I believe. That's yeah, where I thought it, was. it was. I thought it was the graveyard near, near Yale Bowl. I guess I'm wrong. No, it was, it was Grove Street. Was it? And everything looks very cold you know the the photo on the back where you guys are all bundled up and then the live photos where it's it looks like it's in an old you know factory that makes sense or a warehouse it the whole entire thing aside from the fact that there's like some you know a couple warm colors on the cover but everything else has a very cold feeling and i think that kind of adds to like the mystique of yeah, the record the mystery. and also kind of separates it from a you know up to this point on revelation there's a lot of youth crew and a lot of new york hardcore and this really was like here's something fucking totally different everything's different the music is different the layout's different it's a three-piece which is totally different um and so i think that that's interesting to hear that it was like shot in a graveyard and a, a warehouse and that you know you guys had these experiences I, that makes me enjoy the layout so much more yeah, and it even like it's sort of like it really is the first record on the label that i think you know thinks i don't want to say thinks outside the box because i'm not insulting the other records at all we, we love them that's you know we've talked about them but it's the first one that's really doing something completely different which then the label would end up doing, especially, you know, in about another, uh, you know, 10 releases or something after this really took a turn where almost this was like this, you could say this came out like three years too early. Like if this would have come out in 1992, you know, who knows, right? I think it's funny that uh, a lot of the lyrics still hold true to this day. Yeah. That was going to be something I, I brought up too. Is like you know you read these lyrics and it's like, holy shit! Like this, like like none of this is dated. Like it's all, you know, for better or worse, almost like very, uh, you know, current, current, current. And, and yeah. 
Yeah, especially well, world, world leader. Those lyrics are very, very um, meaningful right now with what's yeah. going on. And who, who, wrote, who wrote the lyrics? Stymie wrote them all. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote them. Every was, single word. I was responsible for that stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, like I said, they're all, that was one of the first things I noticed was like, oh, these are really good lyrics. Like, mm -hmm. you know, for like, the style of music, you know, and, and, and uh, they hold up. Yeah, at the time, um, or I guess I was what, 19? Um, and we, uh, that would make F like 18 in China, 17. And um, these guys would, these guys uh, approached me like in high school and they're like, yo, you wanna jam out, dude? And I was like, sure. And they had all these tunes written up. So I just sat in with them and started playing and it was like, holy shit, this is great. So um, <clears throat> we just kept on doing it. And eventually, you know, I wrote these lyrics that, uh, that fit. And um, we went from there. Um, honestly, I could say that uh, I listened to a lot of anti-establishment music uh, growing up. So this whole punk thing, uh, I loved it. And then, um, but also we listened to like, um conscious uh hip-hop too like uh chuck d from public enemy and uh, krs1 you know those guys were all saying stuff that was anti-establishment you know so it was easy to pick on you know world leaders and cops and everything like that that was just you know part and parcel of the whole thing right you know fuck the police and all that shit so um and no wonder they still hold truth to this day because that shit's still happening i know it's it's like i said it was something i noticed immediately so Okay, so you do the record. So what about live shows? Because I've, I've heard varying things. I heard that you guys only played one show at CB's with uh, Gorilla Biscuits and I think Bad Trip. Um, but then I've heard that you played a couple shows. So w w what's, the, uh, what's the word on the live shows? Yeah, we, we did a CB's Sunday like hardcore show. I remember the power went out in the middle of our set. And uh, besides that, geez, I don't think we played out too many, too many other places. I can't really remember. Yeah, I think we played the Brick and Wood with um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. COC. Yeah. And DRI. So we actually... Wow. It, it, in our hometown, we had a, a club that we helped book a lot of the bands. So at that point, if we needed to, you know, fill in uh, some time or if we were all available or had enough songs to play, we would jump up there. So I guess we did play a couple local uh, shows. Was there any tours that were turned down or anything like that? Or was it just, was touring not something that you were interested in doing or... Yeah, I think I think it, it kind of fell apart before any of that even really happened. So I remember that when we did record, we were probably at the peak of us practicing and rehearsing. And then shortly after that, for various reasons, I don't think we, we lasted too much longer. So there's a there's a song on the Revelation one hundred. Um, which is like their rarities they put out called Some Friend. Um, was that recorded at the same time as uh, the 7-inch? And if so, 
were there any are there any other songs on the cutting room floor somewhere or you know an unheard demo that could be unearthed uh anything like that or is this it like you get the seven inch you get the uh, rev 100 and that's all the you know recorded music that we're gonna have i think that's pretty much it i might have some cassette tapes kicking around the basement somewhere but other than that, <laughs> you know, it was kind of sad because we were, we were, you know, rehearsing a lot and starting to write new music. And I thought the band was going to turn into, uh, you know, had, had some potential. I ended up playing drums for another band and we kind of all just kind of uh, peacefully parted ways. It was, there was no animosity there or just a, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if you guys can. Uh... Well, I, um, <clears throat> I personally was not living a very sustainable lifestyle at that time. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that greatly affected the, uh, the duration of the, uh, of the band's, you know, um, output. It was, uh, I think we had been together, you know, jamming out for a while and doing our thing. And then, like Scott said, you know, we're, at the peak of our powers when this came out and then we just kind of watched it disintegrate, you know, um, it, it was an unconscious, uh, uncoupling. That's for sure. It was just like, um, we all had to go our different ways. I was going to move to New York, uh, and everyone was going to do their own thing and we all went in different directions. Like it's kind of like real life kicked in and we all had to get jobs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you're, you're young, but you're also like at that age where you're at the precipice of having to, you know, you got to make that decision. Like if you're, if you're 15, when this was going on, then you probably had a couple more years. You're still in high school. You can play, but when you're 18, 19, you do have that choice of like, well, am I going to, you know, play in a band and try to do this? Or am I going to, you know, get a job or whatever. So after the band's done, did you guys do any other bands? Like I know, Scott, you said you were drumming. What band was that? Was it anybody that put out music uh, recorded? Well, yeah, it was actually for Jim, Jim Martin's band who did the, the lettering on our record. So he was in uh, one band for a long period of time that actually still exists. It's called Broken now, I believe. In the early stages, it was called Malachi Crunch. Okay. So we did some recordings and we played out a lot. I, I played with them for about three or four years, had some fun. Anything after that or no? No. Nope. Do you, do you, do you uh, pick up the guitar at all now? Like, the last time I banged on my drums in the basement, my whole family uh, <laughs> climbed to the ceiling, including the cats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to, but I have a family now and uh, I do miss it on occasion. I do get a call from, from a couple of good friends in New Haven that the guys know. And, uh, you know, we did like a, a reunion show a couple of years ago and one of our old guitar players passed on. Uh, I'm sorry to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we so what about, what about may, getting, yeah, what may, about getting you three guys? Yeah, uh, yeah. Would this interview spark any interest? Yeah, in, like, why don't you get together? You know, do a George, live stream. 
Jordan approached us about maybe what five or six years ago when they did that show out in California, and uh-huh. he offered. Uh, he, he asked us if we wanted to come out and jam. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to see about that one. <laughs> oh, so I got to ask about how did you as band members feel when the other Slipknot came out? Where you're like, damn, they stole our name. Yeah. They stole all of our... I, our you know, it's funny. I want to th- throw in there when I saw... So I had known of the Rev Slipknot first. Same. Same here. Um, and then when, I guess, 99, I looked it up, is when the first Slipknot album came out on Roadrunner. Yeah. The, um, the, you know, the other... The other Slipknot. And like the logo is even a little similar. Like enough it is, where it's yeah. like, so I remember being like, is this the, the Rev band? And then I'm like, there's no way. But like, it was like before really, you know, I might've had internet, but I didn't know how to use it. Sure. Um, so I didn't know, but it was like, it's a crazy thing because, you know, Jordan did tell us that the streaming of this record is fairly high because of the amount of people that listen to it thinking they found you know, uh, I guess what are the the amount of maggots that yeah. uh, find this record and think like, oh shit, this is like an unreleased Slipknot record, and then you get some comments that are like, what the hell is this? But he said there was also some comments that are like, yo, this is really freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just adds to the whole mystery of the thing. The the more mysterious, the better. Yeah, I, I guess that just goes. You know that can uh, kick in some of the royalties as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean for the for the streaming, the you know point five cents or whatever per song. <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but like, it's just you know you brought up the mystery. I mean, you guys are are one of the mystery. You know, when I got into Revelation in the nineties, the mysteries were like, where's Mike Judge? Uh, where is Jules from Side by Side? And where's Slipknot? So Mike Judge came out of hibernation. We know, you know, Judge has played. Judge still plays. Um, Jules did an Alone in the Crowd show, uh, you know, a little less than two years ago. So, like, you guys were the last mystery. So I guess once this, once this episode hits, uh, are, there, are there any more mysteries or uh, Jason? So I'm going just from Wikipedia, and you can plead the fifth. Did someone set Yale on fire? A couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going based on Wikipedia, so. Yeah, like Wikipedia? That was, yeah, like that was one of the mysteries. Um, gosh, what else? What other ones were there? Like urban, le- we, we call them like urban legends. Because, you know, the more, mis- the more mystery there is, the more stuff swirls around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that Jordan uh, had to put this record out as a favor to repay someone. You know, the way way Jordan, I think, approached this was like, you guys might not fit, you know, the typical uh, street edge format of most of these bands, but you had positive lyrics and and he knew us. So that's kind of how, kind of how it started. Yeah, like one of the reviews actually says um, that it's like positive speed core. That's what it. That's what it mm-hmm. called uh, the music because the lyrics were positive. But I mean, it. Like I've told people, like you know, in in preparation for 
doing this podcast was when I really dove into this record. And, you know, I'll say right now to people listening, like, if you haven't, you need to listen to this record. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Like it's like, if you like hardcore and you like crossover and thrash and punk, I mean, it's got a little something for everybody um, and sit and read the lyrics. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. You know, yeah. like it's uh, and, and hopefully um, and how, you know, uh, we're told that there's going to be another pressing of it, so people will be able to. Yeah, and uh, some some new shirts. New shirts. People will be stoked about because you know shirt collecting is such a fucking weird thing, especially oh come on, punk and hardcore. <laughs> and I'm, not talking, behind, I'm not talking <laughs> about people who have a seven thousand shirt collection, but you know, there are people who will pay two hundred dollars for a Slipknot shirt because it's yeah. an original piece of you know revelation history so i think so it's if you cool. have any in your basement and you need some cash you know, <laughs> yeah we can we can post it we can post them on our socials for you we'll just we'll take just just a cut we'll just take a cut <laughs> well I, I i sold my celtic frost morbid tales picture disc about two years ago for about 250 dollars, and i still regret it uh yeah it's tough because you can get the money and then the money's gone and then you're like all right, cool. But yeah, like there's, I've had people actually talk about the Slipknot t-shirts, like, um, you know, Janice. wanting the t-shirts. So yeah, yeah a bit about Dave Janice. Mm -hmm. um, he, I know he recently got one, but uh, so I'm excited for uh, t-shirts. What would, what would that t-shirt look like? What, I don't uh, even remember seeing one. It there probably was one. just the logo on the front and oh. then, uh, the painting on the back. Right? I saw oh, wow. one that had a, was there a scorpion on the back? It was kind of a scorpion. I don't know. That's the one that it surfaced we'll Jason, recently. find, find <laughs> some of them and we'll, we'll email yeah. you guys the, the, the designs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested in seeing Yeah. That. I mean, but, you could also reach out to Jordan and if you have any ideas and be like, Hey, we heard that you're uh, doing some new merch and we think this would be cool to put on a shirt. Maybe some of those live photos would be cool, you know? Yeah. Because I saw this was repressed in um, 2013. They actually did a pressing of, of the 7-inch, I believe. Oh, um, interesting. I, yeah. I saw on, on Discogs um, that there was a pressing. So, I mean, it's, it's cool that it's going to be put out again. So, hopefully, you know, people listening, if, if you can't find one on your eBay or your Discogs, just hold tight because Rev's going to take care of you. Uh, listen, stuff. guys, we – in this podcast, uh, when we discuss these records, we talk about hot tracks. It's, uh, it's funny that everybody, a lot of people that we talk to from these bands brings up like listening to hip hop in the 80s and 90s. And, and hip hop played a big part in, you know, influencing people. And for me, hot tracks comes from, you know, hip hop. So the three of us, we talk about hot tracks for the records and we just mention our favorite song, you know, what we love about it. And we give a little bit. And then we started asking the bands too about their hot tracks for the records. So we want to throw it out there to you three guys uh, to talk about your hot tracks, your favorite songs on the Slipknot 7-inch. And I know it, it might put you on the spot a little bit. So I'm going to go first with my hot track, which is something I don't usually do, right? Greg and I always have different hot tracks. And so I'm just gonna throw it out there. My hot track actually is Help You Think. Um, 
that yeah uh, i really was struck by the lyrics of that song more than anything you know the like the the positive it's got to throw the like pma in with a song that kind of sounds like thrash metal was something that really intrigued me and i grew up listening to like ebullition records heavily and some of this song, I know that it, it wouldn't have been influenced by it, but maybe it influenced like Downcast and Sucker Punch and some of those like mid-90s Golita ebullition bands. Uh, the sound to me is very reminiscent of that. And I, you know, I loved that. And so I think that's why that song really resonated with me. But then I also really like, and I don't know the name, I'm sorry, the first song on the Connecticut Fun comp, the Fatal Vision song. I really fucking like that song too. So um, yeah, that's my hot track. Uh, I'll look it up right now while you guys are, are thinking, but anyone in the band want to give your hot track before we get to uh, Greg and Jason? I mean, mine was, I think, number nine, and it was you know, more of the music, but, you know, definitely the lyrics too, which is kind of like about a relationship. Um, but the, the, I love the music in playing that song. Yeah, I, I agree. Number nine was probably one of my favorites. And just to let you know, Mike, Mike was one of the best drummers in the area at the time and his foot, his kick used to go so fast. Numerous people used to come around and have to look like, where's the double bass pedal? I don't see it. Oh, that's awesome. Just one. Um, yeah, he only had one bass pedal. I used to trip out every time I looked at the guy playing it. I was like, holy shit. Um, I would definitely say if I can't put on some friend from the 100, uh, that would be my hot pick. But um, definitely number nine for sure because it was uh, um, it was more of a – introspective sort of uh, lyrical content, which I don't think um, you could really find at that point, you know? And it was more about, like Mike said, a relationship, but it was, uh, I, I thought it was a, a, a little deeper than uh, most of the content that was going on out there at the time. Was there so a I, reason why those lyrics aren't in the layout? Like they're yeah, not in there? Because it was very, it was a very sensitive subject. It was, okay. it was more about relationships in general and um you know i used to write a lot of poetry and that was kind of um a little bit of taken from a more serious side thrown into the the, the fun aspect of you know fuck the police and uh anti-establishment stuff so it was a more serious moment you know that we caught and i think um and also the music wise it was it was one of the later songs that we wrote. So we were starting to get a lot more intricate uh, in our music. And uh, like Scott said, starting to practice a lot more and play a lot more. And we were just starting to break out into some, I remember some uh, songs we were jamming out to at the time uh, of, of when things fell apart. And we were starting to really turn a corner. And then our practice spot burned down and um, <laughs> like, not the same at, day as Yale, though. Yeah, was it at Yale? Were you guys practicing <laughs> no. at Yale? <laughs> uh, but the whole building burned down, down, and we lost a bunch of equipment and stuff, and oh. it was really hard to start over. Like, oh, man, that sucks. Uh, I can imagine. We lost guitars and amps and shit like that, and it was just 
we didn't have insurance on that stuff, you know. Yeah. It was just, you know, so this warehouse burnt down and so did all our shit with it. And wow. Kind of just really precipitated the, the, the disintegration of the band. But um, yeah, uh, number nine for sure. <laughs> uh, real quick, the Connecticut Fun Comp for Fatal Vision has Bloodbath. That's the song that I like. Complex, Clan Man, and the title track, Fatal Vision. <laughs> and then also on that comp is Lost Generation, Youth of Today, 76% Uncertain, Pukstra, uh, Connecticut Root Awakening, No Milk on Tuesday, and uh, CIA. Oh, yeah, all great bands. Yeah. So wow. lot, lots of fun to watch. Yeah. All right. My Jason, track. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. I, you know what? I was going to go for Help You Think because I loved like the, I don't know, to me it just sounds like fucking Cro-Mags in a blender and it's got those lyrics for, I love the idea of someone, well, because I did it, someone that like is into youth crew-ish, posy core, and then reads those lyrics and it's still positive, but it's just different. Mm -hmm. And now in 2020, that song rips. Yeah. For sure. So I, but I also got to say, Hate and Blue, fuck. That's an anthem song that I think Dan... <laughs> yeah, like people need, to, people need to like play that track, put it on yeah, the playlist. Someone, yeah, someone that's in a thrash band, cover that song, because that shit is... That song rips. So. Fuck it, that's my hot track. Hate, Hate and Blue. Blue. You changed <laughs> it on the spot. Yeah, I changed it. That song rips, dude. That song is awesome. So I was, I, I was I making... Will, I will say for Jason, too. Like, he's another one that, like me, he you know, just got into this record late as part of like, you know, doing research for the podcast. And every day he's just texting us like, fucking Slipknot, man. So good. He's it's like, true. I fucking love Slipknot. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's, Jason, did you have something else to add? Yeah, that's it. Song okay. rips. So I'll be the outlier, my, my buzzword. World leader. Um, another one that's just unfortunately very uh relevant right now and uh gets me fired up and uh, i hope by the time this airs which will be like the middle of november i hope we have some yeah. good news and i'll leave it at that <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> okay I, I never you never know <laughs> yeah I, I i hope that uh you know, and I'm going to fucking cram. You know what I think I'm going to do is once we find out that we're out of this mess, or at least, you know, beginning to I'm get out of this mess, on it. I'm yeah. going to crank that fucking song on the turntable. <laughs> That's going to be the first song I play. And I'm going to be moshing around my room, much to my wife and kids and cats chagrin. But that's the fucking song. That's why I said people need to listen to this record. Absolutely. Well, you know what's interesting that I'm just now thinking of is this record is only on vinyl, right? It's never, yeah, it's it was never on CD, and I don't even know about cassette. cassette. I don't know. It's not. And so, you know, that until it was on streaming, that could have also, I, I don't want to say prevented, but like it didn't reach, reach as wide of an audience. And so now with the miracle of Spotify and Bandcamp, you know, people can, I, I cannot imagine how many cassettes this was dubbed on and traded so that people could be like, oh, did you hear this other 
revelation band you know it's only on record it's like like we keep saying this is a fucking mystery so i hope that we both dispelled and added to some of the mystery of this record with Agreed. this uh interview and um i do have one final question let's hear it kick it so um i was looking through a record aficionado book which we reference often and there is an ad that says for the Slipknot 7-inch, it says, what happened when Jesus asked Satan to form a band? They taught God to play drums. So we know Mike is God. That's a given. <laughs> so who's Jesus and who's Satan? <laughs> I don't even know where that came it, from. Where did that come from? That must have been uh, yeah. jo Jordan's marketing. Yeah. Uh, oh, very clever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about that, but I can tell you uh, if you look closely on the seven inch when Jordan pressed it, he would often write a message on the inside of it. Yeah, the matrix. Let's, if, let's, let's look at this matrix. I got to read right it. I'll, I'll tell you where it's from. So also side E and side D, was that a nod to Evil Dead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. work, Greg. Okay, so this... It's very, uh, it's very difficult to see. It says, side evil, you put all your energy into your death. So that's side uh, E. And then the other side says, oh goodness, I can't even see. I don't think there is on that side. It was yeah, just I was gonna say, I don't think there's an etching. It's just there, but that's, yeah, there's it was, not. Uh, it was a terrifying dream I had. And I told Jordan about it, and he wrote it on there. It That's was, awesome. Uh, <laughs> we, we unlocked another mystery. Somebody telling me that. And then I, I think on the other side of the record, did, did it not say at one point Fred Flintstone on vocals for some reason? Yeah, probably in there somewhere. So there's like, there's God and Fred Flintstone in the same band. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was incredibly... Uh, uh, mysterious for us at that time too because and what happened with the uh, bit about uh, the basement was that on the record F what basement like why'd you guys put me in the basement oh yeah oh geez now, how did that even get recorded that I don't know I don't know but I remember I fell down a flight of stairs and you saved me Fred Flintstone and Gandhi are both uh, thanked on the, in, oh, in this yeah. record, by the way, as is uh, the LA Raiders and bong hits and brujas. Mm -hmm. I, I, I always, ever since I was a kid, I always was like bong hits and brujas. That might've been how I found out about what those two things were. Thanks, <laughs> for, the Thanks for corrupting the use. Little, little education. <laughs> And uh, and also it was uh, Revelation thirteen, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yes, which is 13. cool. I love the number thirteen. So many strange things about that album. Yeah, and that's uh, that's great. I love all those little the little minutia and the fact that we're here in twenty twenty picking this apart <laughs> and discussing it and you know bringing this stuff up for you guys to to get you know. A little stroll down memory lane and get you thinking about the stuff. I think that that's a pretty wild thing, and um, 
We're super yeah. stoked that you guys could join us today. And we hope that we initiated a Slipknot reunion. Agreed. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm telling you, people be stoked and people will listen to this and hopefully get the record and then you'll be getting other people clamoring to get you guys in the basement, <clears throat> to get you guys in the basement again and uh, jamming out. And thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank you. yeah so it was much. great. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Thanks. And we'll, we'll be hitting you up about artwork and oh, about, about those uh, Slipknot practice tapes in the basement too. So you'll be and we'll send you uh we'll send you like um the number you have reached is not in service at this time and there is no new number. Please be sure you have checked the telephone directory for the right number and you are dialing correctly. This is a recording. Hey guys, this is Clint from Chicago. I was just uh, checking out the Slipknot seven inch. I haven't listened to that seven inch in probably close to thirty years and I was just blown away by just what a crossover record it was and I don't remember that at all um, especially becoming a metalhead first before getting the hardcore I would have thought it would have resonated more but um, the other strange thing was just some of the lyrics are almost like youth crew I mean talking about like peace in a positive way and and I mean just what a strange strange record and um, that I have no memory of listening to when I got it and uh, just blown away by it now. So uh, looking forward to the episode because I think it'll be interesting to find out anything about the band since, I mean, I know nothing. So anyways, great podcast. Talk to you. Bye. Did it bow where it went crew. Brandon Gavell here. Just wanted to turn in my homework assignment for the upcoming Slipknot episode. I went back and checked it out after not hearing it for many years. And, you know, I, I don't think it's terrible. I uh, wouldn't say it's essential or crucial, but it's it's a decent hardcore punk record. Um, you know, I, I definitely think if you're into the Rev catalog, you should just check it out just to say you did. Uh, but I do have a hot track, though. My hot track on this one is Hate in Blue. It's got a really cool just intro build-up part to it before the vocals kick in. Um, I think it's just worth a listen. Um, definitely not the greatest Revelation release, uh, but you know it's, it's also not the worst record that's ever been put out in musical history. So I just want to throw that out there. So thanks again for all you guys do. Keep up the good work, and we'll see you next episode. But a bow. Hi, I just wanted to give my opinion for the next episode of the podcast on the uh, Slipknot EP. I uh, personally. I think it's a pretty hard-hitting, hardcore EP. Um, I, I never really got too much into it until later uh, when I started really getting into hardcore. But overall, I think it's a really great EP. Um, I don't really have any hot tracks for it, but overall, I just I think it's a great EP, and it kind of sucks that it gets overshadowed by the, uh, the other Slipknot. And, yeah, that's all I have to say. Thanks. Uh, can't wait to hear the new episode. Wow. What a, that, that interview was awesome. Um, I really enjoyed talking to those guys uh, and learning more of the history of the band, which is like why we're doing this. And even in 
in the internet age where you could fucking Google anything and you should Google everything, by the way, do your fucking research, do your homework. Um, I, I think that hearing it like this was like, this could have been lost lore, right? This could yeah. have been the Slipknot seven inch fades into obscurity Every record label puts out a record where it's like, eh, you don't really know too much about the band. And like uh, New Age Records, I don't know anything about Powerhouse. I know right? a little bit. I, 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 don't, I literally don't know anything about it except for they were from Florida. And okay. I think even maybe Insight could have been like that for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, Hav. And then stuff. having that um, collection and everything really made me totally like it gave insight a new life sort of like what turning point talked about with the jade tree that's what insight did now i'm like a super fan and um i'm i will not will not rest until we find that microphone (laughs) yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna find that fucking microphone so one of the things that was awesome was um when javier asked mike mike mentioned like the bands they were listening to he mentioned like couple like you know crossover type bands Mm -hmm. and he was like so as an aside you know do you still listen to that stuff and just when he said yes everybody was like the zoom everybody's face lit up just (laughs) like this is awesome you know what i mean like here's this dude he was we were literally interviewing mike the drummer chang on the uh on Mm -hmm. the record his name uh he was in the car watching his kid play little league that was how cool is that yeah and like we're yeah. talking to him and like just to have him be like like it was like there was like a brief pause it was like it was perfect i just wanted to to highlight that was a cool yeah because i me. mean you never know with people they could have this could have just i hate to say it but it could have been a phase in their life or like a time like oh yeah i played in a band when i was a kid or like dude my neighbor who's in law enforcement one day i walked outside and he's like are you wearing a strife shirt i'm all uh yeah he's like man i love strife i used to see them play at this club in my town and blah blah and i'm like whoa crazy what about this band and this band and this band he's like nope nope i have no idea what we're talking about i've met people like that with and i and he's like and i still put strife on sometimes so it could have just been a thing where you know they played in a band when they were a kid and then they grew up and they grew away from it and they don't care anymore so when people still like and I don't want to even say stay dedicated, but stay interested maybe in that same kind of music, even though they don't play it or they don't live it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. And like, I think a lot of times we, um, we look at something like hardcore because it is, uh, you know, normally when there's shows, it's something where a lot of people's um, like love for it and amount of how much they care is uh, quantified by how much they're going to shows and what it, how, if they're only listening to new bands and stuff. And I think that's great. Like, I want to say this. I'm not like, I love finding new bands where I'm like, this band rips and going to shows and watching young bands. That said, there's people who maybe they don't know about the new bands, but they never stop loving it. They like all the stuff they liked back then. They'll go to the shows when these old bands play. And then a lot of times they actually get turned on to the newer bands because they'll open some of these shows. Um, so it's kind of thing where it's like, you can't really judge a book by its cover. You don't really know what someone's level of enthusiasm is unless you talk to them. 
um, just because they're not, you know, upfront, you know, and stage diving at every show. It doesn't mean they don't have a, a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured, you know, it was just cool. These guys were cool. Um, yeah. And I'm glad we got to talk to them. So I don't know. Did you want to talk a little bit about our personal connection to the record? Well, before that, um, how many people reached out to either of you and said that they listened to this record either for the first time or they revisit it and really enjoyed it? Because I know through our Patreon, bit at bow to all of our patrons, but also just in my like life, people were like, oh, you guys are coming up to Slipknot. I just checked it out again. Man, that thing fucking rips. Like It does rip. Yeah, and, and I think that it, this record is kind of a like a forgotten gem and even for me like so i'll give my personal connection you know and i'm sure so many people will be able to relate to this when they were young maybe in the 90s and they started like collecting or being interested in rev records like oh i have this inside out seven inch and i have this burn seven inch and they walked into the record store and they see the rev star on the back of this and they're like oh slipknot cool they buy the record take it home and like my 16 or 18 year old sensibilities just did not really enjoy Slipknot that much. It just didn't stick with me. And so I don't own the Slipknot seven inch currently because it just was not a part of my landscape. To revisit- You should have told me I could have given you the prize. <laughs> but to revisit this, I, you know what? I, I wish that this seven inch was on cassette because I would probably listen to it a lot more. It, it didn't come on cassette? Uh, I think that it's legit only seven inch. I don't yeah. think it's on CD either. It's not on CD. Either. And that was why, not to jump in. Yeah. That was why back in the day too, I probably never heard it because mm-hmm. I was buying CDs. So yeah, and, it, a- and, and Lost and Found wouldn't have put it on a seven inch. Yeah, CD. that's true. Like this <laughs> legit, these, this group of songs, the only way to hear it until Spotify or, you know, Rev put it up on Spotify streaming, Bandcamp, Apple. The only way that you would have been able to hear it would be, if you bought the seven inch or someone dubbed it on a cassette for you, that's it. And so that already eliminates a huge audience right there. Um, and, but to, to revisit this and to give it a critical listen, which we, the three of us have to do with these records. I enjoyed these songs. I don't know if it'd be like in constant rotation for me, but I, I did get a, new appreciation for it and then talking to the members of the band and hearing their story and you know being able to talk about the photo shoots and the handwritten lyrics and all that stuff i i really appreciate this rev release is it still a mystery to you there's still a mystery to me even though yeah. we talked to them like we asked some questions so we asked them about burning down burning yale yeah right? And then I was telling my wife about it. I was like, oh yeah, you know, the, the, the internet says this. And so we asked him about it and she just goes, well, did you ask why? <laughs> and I was like, no. And she's like, wow, you fucked up. I know. <laughs> I think we were just so thrown off. We were like, we asked, so did you burn Yale down? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. A couple times. Yeah. Yes. Said a couple times. And we just laughed and then we're like, okay, so next okay. question about the land <laughs> or whatever. Like, we're like, but yeah, the yeah. The interviews I, go fast also. It's kind of yeah. like you just want to keep up with the momentum of where the conversation's going. Agreed. So. Uh, but, and, but, but in also, a way, I'm glad to keep that a mystery. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, it's still a mystery. And like, 
that's fucking cool yeah yeah um, yeah i mean my my personal connection is i didn't hear this record until we started doing the podcast nice um you know i i, I had gone i said i said to jason i was telling him i was like you know what the first time i listened to this record i wanted to be the vinyl like i don't want to just stream it i want to have the seven inch i found a copy on discogs for like four dollars or something um bought it off a tray from death wish bit about a death oh, wish um i bought that uh and it didn't have the insert so that was where this extra insert came from little shinfo okay. Jordan hooked me up but um i listened to it and read the lyrics and i was like dude this is awesome like um i it's something that like javier said i think if i heard it when i was 16 i would have maybe been like eh, i'd rather listen yeah. to you for today but as almost 40 it's a really great Did, record didn't stami say he took poetry classes in the interview oh man i you know i i think so or at least i think he said he reads a lot of poetry yeah he there you go he said he read he he said influenced he read a by a lot of poetry okay they're, thank they're you they're cool lyrics and yeah. and they're uh they they hold up like we talked about uh i mean this record or this episode rather is going to come out the day after election day, you know, and it's like pretty apropos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Given Those the subject leader, matter, the world leader, um, yeah, world leader, hate and blue, yeah. you know, all that stuff. More like um, hate you. Yeah. <laughs> so Sick song. that's my connection. So I, I don't, I don't have the same connection as I did to say like gorilla biscuits. Sure. But it's an awesome record. Like I mentioned in the interview, probably too many times people need to check it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. That's all I got. Um, they should play. If they do a rev, what's the next rev gonna be? You know, rev, they should rev at least thirty five. I think yeah, rev thirty five. I think they should at least jam. Yeah, I, I agree. Think, I, after talking to those guys, and you know, I, I think that they should at least pick up their instruments and meet up in someone's basement and just, just jam. jam. And if nothing comes of it cool like at least they they like still got to hang that out. kind of music too that kind of hardcore i feel like almost it can still so some bands it's kind of like ah it's such a youthful thing yeah but for like that crossover like metal not that they're metal but they have that crossover feel i yeah. feel like older like people can do it and pull it off does that make sense <laughs> like you know what i mean like like these metal eight metal and crossover ages a lot better i think sometimes than than hardcore like hardcore can be sort of jarring when you see someone that looks like me uh you know with like little gray speckles in the side of the hair um you know doing this whereas like metal people don't care like metal bands sometimes start when the dudes are 40 and they get yeah. popular yeah but i think that's why their mystery is that they didn't i think if they would have done one u.s tour everyone would know Slipknot. I agree. Or if they did like another record after, or if yeah. they did, even if they did other bands that were notable. Yeah. yeah. Like, like how, like, you know, when we talked about insight earlier, like insight, I knew because of the stuff after, and then I dug into insight or even like a, another band that I love hard stance. Like we know, cause like, Oh, they went on to, you know, far side and inside out. And yeah. Bit of Bozak. Get at us. Yeah, a bit of Bozak. We, you know, we unlocked this mystery, but we need Zach De La Roca on here. Zach, yeah. 
I, I just bought a reissue of the first Rage Against the Machine album. So you'll be seeing some royalties coming from me. <laughs> so the also least- the, um, the People of the Sun 10 inch, uh, I think is still available from Rev. I mean, I picked mine it up is. from them not that it, long ago on green it, vinyl. And it is. That record is, it's a fucking good listen. I actually, it is. Most, Rev 56. A lot, of, a lot of people do not enjoy 10 inch records because they say it doesn't fit in their collection or whatever. I love 10 mm. inches. I think they're fucking cool. I hate them, but Humanity I'm going to get the that. Devil. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get that because it is uh, a Rev release and it's raging against the machine. Um, but yeah, it is available stone green vinyl. I looked last night mm-hmm. um, to see, I was like, I wonder if that's still in print. Um, so I'm excited to do that episode. So also yeah. Tom Morello, get at us. <laughs> I, I am fine with talking to Zach just about inside out. I want to talk to Tom Morello about the Rage 10 inch. Let's make hmm. it happen. I want to talk like to Tom it. Morello least, about Inside Out. Or at, least, <laughs> or at least Brad Wilk. Maybe we can get Brad Wilk. Yeah. yeah. Brad Wilk, get at us. Hey, get at us. Jason. Yo. Um, do you think that especially the insert of this record reminds you of the Burn 7 inch? Dude, Hav. Hundred. It's so funny that you're asking that question. But. Should I just go into why? Yeah, tell yeah. me. It's funny. Yeah. So a lot of this podcast, we're talking about, oh, I got this tape dubbed for me, or mm-hmm. I bought this on tape or CD. I went into Smash Records, and I bought the Slipknot 7-inch because of that Revstar, mm-hmm. and I bought the Burn 7-inch mm-hmm. the same day. We put on the Slipknot 7-inch first. This is cool. This is not what I expected. It's not really my style. I was way more into Youth Today and Bold and that sort of youth crewish vibe. Bit of boat bold. Then I put a bit of boat bold. Drew. But then I <laughs> <laughs> Screamers with Drew. <laughs> Summer 2021. Then anyway. I put on, on the I put on the burn seven inch. <sighs> We're gonna get to that one. Yeah, dude. And, and to, God damn. To, to quote Zach Zach Oxnard, that's like the, the apex, apex of hardcore. hardcore. Man, dude, burn like as, as any I think when we talked to Norm uh antimatter too mm-hmm. didn't he say something similar he said yeah i mean yeah. it really is like godhead uh-huh that song like like zach said oh my god the song godhead has everything that is awesome yeah. about burn in yeah. one song but yeah. wouldn't you say that that's not like it's not a conventional yeah it's definitely not normal youth crewish stuff but sure. it's still it can, it can to appeal that. to those sensibilities yeah. more than the yeah. Slipknot would. More like, than the Slipknot record. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think even, I think my exposure to Burn, and I don't want to talk too much about Burn yeah, until we that can't, one, we got to save it. I think my exposure safe. to Burn was the, um, oh God, what was the in-flight program? Mm-hmm. And I was oh, like, what eh, songs on that one? Uh, Shall Be Judged. Ooh, and I knew Orange fuck. 9, because I loved the Orange 9 12-inch on Rev. And yeah. I was kind of, I knew like Shaka sang for both. But it wasn't until maybe like the late 90s, like, so, I mean, that was 97, but a couple years mm-hmm. later when I got the Burn 7-inch on CD because of Bane, actually, because everybody's like, oh, you know, Bane just sound like Burn. And I yeah. got it and I, I fell in love with it, so. Um, Hob, is it the same person? Did Jim Martin also do the... I, I, I'm not sure, but I was just looking at this new or speaking of orange nine millimeter, I sent you guys this link for this um, orange nine millimeter. Is this a reissue or is this a new 
record on 30 something records i think it's a reissue i think greg would know it is it's it's okay. uh it's orange nines 90s 1996 album tragic that was originally on atlantic records okay um that features the the hit single failure i saw go on, on youtube tour. yeah go on youtube and watch that video it's yeah. so 90s in the best way and that song is great um oh but yeah so, it's from that that was on it was on atlantic origin i think i think um i think mike gitter um had had done that okay like he had signed them well anyway so we're getting to slipknot my personal connection slipknot 2020 the episode's coming up um you know they just kind of faded into obscurity for me a little bit but uh, I listened to it on Spotify, and my musical cha- my musical taste has changed a little bit since I was younger, and I thought this shit ripped. And so then I was I texted um, Hob and Greg and said, "The Slipknot Seven Inch is good." And then I listened to it the next day, and then I listened to it the next day, and I've listened to it, I think every day for two months now, or six weeks, however long we've been playing this episode. And uh, this shit rips. If you don't listen to it, you should check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, that's all so, I got, man. Yeah, I'm going to continue to listen to this. Yeah, After the same. episode's over, same. and things keep moving, and we're moving on to the next rev release, I'm still going to go back to this because I think the songs are awesome. So, and, uh, um, to, to answer your question about the burn mm-hmm. layout, uh, I just looked on Discogs, and there's no credit for the, the writing inside, okay. and I don't have my copy in front of me. So that's a mystery that we'll, that we'll have to get yeah. to. But I mean, either way, if you, if you were to compare those two layouts, like side by side, they're very similar. I agree. I think when, once we get to the, the burn writing, once we get to the burn, we'll have to ask. Oh, uh, oh before, before we get off this uh, Slipknot episode though, I got to say, um, Jordan did talk to us about um, the Iowa Slipknot contacting rev and saying that they wanted the that you can't have this band out with the same name and he said that he had this record out since 1989 if he wanted to have if they want to have further conversations get yeah. at him yeah so uh and then so. and then it they, they left it alone after yeah. that and it, it is a bit <laughs> tricky when you search them on spotify yes but it's not like impossible to find. I no. actually recommend that people listen to Revelation Records stuff on Bandcamp. Okay. I, I think that it's it sounds a bit better because of the compression. If you purchase it, which then goes to help, you know, the the money some of the money goes to the band, mm-hmm. you can download it on as a wave, as flack. You can you can choose you know, what kind of MP3s you want to download it as. But I also think that it's just like a, a better way to consume it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that kind of stinks about Bandcamp is that I don't think that you can make playlists the same way that you can on Spotify. But, uh, you know, it, it is there on Spotify. You can listen to the seven inch and, you know. Yeah, I think Jordan said they, they did something where that Slipknot for some reason pops up in Spotify before the, the Revelation Records Slipknot, but now mine, Revelation Records Slipknot is always number two in the list, so, but yes. All right, so that's it for this episode of Where It Went. Um, and what do we have next time? So next, 
we have Rev 14 uh, next in line, and that is Judge New York Crew. But before we have before we get to the New York Crew episode, we don't we have another uh, we have another episode coming in in between, right? We oh, do, but no I, I want to keep. I don't want to have any spoilers. Yeah. I'll say it's. I'll say it's um, a, a record we've already discussed, but we managed to revisit it. Yes. Yeah. We, so that's going to be a uh, revisited volume one. Yeah, yeah number one. Um, so we're and, saying uh, we have a detour before yeah. we. Uh, yes, you know so, what? Good, yeah. good, good on you, Hav. Because yeah. then this way we don't have to answer any questions. So we're going from Connecticut to New York City via. Uh, another part of New York. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks for tuning in. But a boat. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Javier from the Where When podcast. I wanted to give a special bit up bow to all of our patrons, but especially our top tier patrons Siren Records, Billy Tunnell. Nate of Head to Wall fame, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson, Chad Keplinger, Tim Shear, Mike Demosher, John Cowell, and Brandon Gavell. And also to the three listeners who called in and shared their thoughts on our Google Voice number. We hope more people do that in the future. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next episode. Bidabo!